Grog. Hey everyone, it's the Sideshed Podcast with me, Peter Fickling and Matthew Weir. Matthew, we're warbisless. We are. She's on holiday uh, in Mallorca, isn't she? Yeah, and I don't think you've seen it yet, but we've already had evidence of Warbus's good times pour in. Do you want to listen? Yeah, go for it. Hola. <laughs> Buenas tardes. Thought I'd say hello. You're probably recording. And I'm having a right nice time, obviously. Having a jug of sangria. I've just eaten a divine piece of sea bass by the sands of the beach. And this is just day one and I've got 10 more to go. Knows what's happening in the archers. Don't really care, to be honest. Hope Shula's gone by the time I get back. And Justin, oh, he's awful, isn't he? I heard the uh, whiskey sour conversation and... He's going to enjoy knowing something about Rory, isn't he? The little twat. Anyway, goodbye. Sorry this isn't on a uh, voice note type thingy from iTunes, but I couldn't find it. So hope you're having fun. Mwah! She heard the whiskey sour conversation. Are you sure she didn't inhale it? <laughs> I thought she sounded pretty straight. And I also yeah. thought- you are on the thinnest of thin ice when it comes to calling in ship. <laughs> I still maintain that wasn't me calling in from the festival, but okay. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, whoever smashed your glasses and stole your phone has got a, a lot to answer for. I loved the background music. Next to Bob Marley, you couldn't get more kind of cliched holiday <laughs> music. People of a certain age, I mean, they'll remember. Do you remember the 80s sitcom Duty Free? Oh, Yes. Yeah, I feel like Kerry's Holiday is a mixture of that and the French movie Delicatessen. I am very jealous. I remember when I first um, sort of uh, met Kerry, uh, she was telling me about her lovely beach in Mallorca and it sounds idyllic, like this it's sort of low traffic and, you know, people get around on foot and it was sort of perfect for her kids when, when they were growing up. So we know that she's having a lovely time. So I went to Mallorca once at a very awkward age. I think I was about 13 and... There was very few other families in the hotel that we stayed in. The rest of the hotel was booked out by two school groups. One was um, a, a mainly boys' school from Stirling in Scotland, and the other one was an all-girls' school from Manchester, and they were all about 16, 17, and it was just carnage. And by the end of the, the stay there, they were roping me into all their shenanigans as well. But I was really just... They took me to the dark side, I have to say. Before we go into our ad break, I... Uh... I remember being on holiday with these, with this group of very sort of gangly, awkward lads when I was a kid, and one of them got cornered, and just without even blinking, he pulled out a can of Lynx Africa and a lighter, <laughs> and just, just marching around with his little homemade flamethrower. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's kind of like, um, in, you know, embossed in my memory for all time. Yeah, let's have a Lynx ad. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So Matthew, Kerry mentioned her hope that Shula would be gone by the time she gets back. So that's not next week it's the week after do you how much longer do you think we're going to have to uh, uh, deal with this long goodbye well i did mention when i was in charge of the sidershed twitter this is going on longer than one of those phil collins honestly i promise gov this is the last door he just seems to be running and running she said she's not going just yet i got the impression it she they said a month ago about a week ago so we haven't got that much longer mm. she's giving up the house temporarily to Josh and Ben, and now it seems Beth as well. There was that horrible moment when Kenton was saying to David, we've got to stop her. And it was like, no, 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 mm. Kenton. This is, you're talking nonsense, man. It's a bit of a one in, one out policy, isn't it? Like, yeah, we're losing Shula, but let's not forget that her kind of, uh, her younger soul twin is, is you know, firmly embedded in the, in the arches now. Beth is the dullest most sort of ploddingly Middle England young woman I've ever heard. We can come to that a little bit later because it was transfer deadline day. I asked people on our Facebook and uh, Twitter, who would you transfer in and out? And I've got a three in, three out. So we'll come back to that. I did realise that my elation was um, massively premature. What do you think about the house, the three of them going in there? Do you think it's, I mean, there's going to be shenanigans, isn't there? I mean, inverted commas, they're going to try and, try and milk this for all it's worth um josh the young bachelor with the with the boring young couple well all the wild partners are behind them which is funny because about six weeks ago ben was completely off his tits at a rave so i just think that there is going to be some upset at some point i'm wondering who josh had in mind as the third person before he warmed to beth because he did say to shula could we have could i share it with two more people Mm. It, it was all a bit hard hearing that balanced at the same time as we always have to as well with tracy struggling and having to go to the food banks we've suddenly got this situation where oh would you like to take a house on and pay rent and they're like yeah yeah great oh you know i'll reduce the rent so okay we've really got the uh the the tipping the scales here haven't we yeah i mean i was i was trying to explain um jarvis cocker and common people to my dad the other day because he's been out the country such a long time and uh, oh, Matthew, you're right. There's um, some beans. No. <laughs> no, no feijoada for me. Unfortunately, that's uh, that's an irate um, Portuguese motorist, as is their oh. want. They're very oh. horn happy in a in a tiny little car, from the sound of things. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so I was just it's, yeah, I was just trying to explain to my dad about how you know he and I had never really you know yes, we've had some tough times, but it's always been the knowledge that there is a lovely, great big plump safety net just like Josh, just like Ben. Do you still sore about Big Track? <laughs> this, is, this is the thing. Big Track for me, and I'm happy to, be, happy to be wrong, Big Track to me is synonymous with bougie living and massive Welsh wealth. It's like, you know, that's Jeff Betsos money, having a Big Track. To, to, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an embryonic memory, right? It's like embedded in there in the kind of early 80s. 
let's put it out there. If any of the listeners have got photos of themselves with their big track, I want to see them. Yeah, Matthew, you know, you, you can be um, twins with Matthew, Ben and Josh, while me, me, Tracy, and the, you know, the, uh, the rest of the horror bins have to make do. We'll have the Hovis tune uh, fading up as Peter edits this. I will say, we don't need to go into any details, but this week of all weeks, I think I can play the Hard Done By card and feel really unashamed about it. Yeah, agreed. Onwards and upwards, everyone, onwards and upwards, um, which leads us very neatly into Tracy. And so obviously it did feel like they were spoiling us. You had Shula being gotten rid of, and then Tracy was just, it was going better and better. She's um, joined joined at the hit with Oliver. He's looking after her. She swallows her pride, goes to the food bank, and then, of course, gets her amazing job. Yeah, it's that very moving moment where she's ashamed to enter the food bank, Yeah, isn't she? And, and I remember last Christmas watching the news and interviewing people in food banks and them saying, like, it took a lot for me just to walk through the door. The guy was like, you know, I'm an HGV driver and I, you know, I got a little bit sick and now I'm coming in. And eventually, was it Shelley? Who brought her in? The woman that worked there, the vol- mm. no, well, volunteer work. Um, one thing they had, she said, "There's a crate of marmite here." So someone obviously loved it. And I was like, "Surely that means they hate it." They dropped off a whole crate. They didn't <laughs> want to touch. It. Yeah, I guess that is a bit of a glass is half full, glass is half empty kind of litmus test, isn't it? Chelsea likes marmite, so we're all good. Your memory for this stuff is incredible. Because she asked, let's get the important questions out of the way. Just And it was kind of one of those situations. Like in a job interview, Tracy was like, oh, no. Mm. And she said, no, Marmite, love it or hate it. And she went, my daughter loves it. And I thought, okay. I knew there was something I liked about Chelsea. Do you remember a few weeks ago, um, I was saying, and I think Kerry agreed that um, Tracy's Tracy was sort of showing what I thought was implausible levels of stupidity, um, you know, uh, in various interview situations or dealing with people, you know, when she was interviewed by the, uh, uh, for, by her former school friend. When she went for the job at Falpersham Kitchens. Yeah. There's been a few of those things just where Tracy was sort of showing uncharacteristic kind of, um, you know, lack of street smarts. I was thinking about it again today. Like it's just the crashing lack of confidence, isn't it? That comes with that, that run of bad luck. Cause I feel sort of a certain amount of, um, uh, uh, you know, um, what's it called kindred you know i feel a kindred spirit to tracy in that regard at the moment like just yeah where you know stuff that you would normally do with your eyes shut like pulling a pint today and she's kind of struggling and then just the fact that shelly had to talk to her in such kind of gentle and kind terms and she was absolutely lovely wasn't she and and yeah it was just it was very obviously always well acted but quite sort of tragic really yeah i think the thing well the kitchen interview is the fact that the girl tam brownlow about halfway through, said, oh, hang on, I know who you are. And How do you remember her name's Tam Brownlow? I don't know. I I think because someone recently got their wires crossed on our Twitter that Gemma was also the person that had interviewed them for the kitchen job. And I was like, no, it was Tam Brownlow. What's, What's the part of your brain that has sort of eroded to make space for all of this trivia? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, the bit that the bit that used to remember um, Sisters of Mercy lyrics. <laughs> Offer has a mix of Temple of Love, absolutely cracking. I know I, the whole verse of Temple of Love. I'm just going. I don't remember any of it. 
I saw them by accident um, years ago, and they were that's a good that's a good shout. They were absolutely astonishing. Well, I didn't know I went to secret. I went to see Depeche Mode, and I didn't know they were being supported by Sister of Mercy. And so um, all of a sudden, that little tiny man, Andrew, what's his name, Eldridge. Eldridge suddenly sprung up and started springing around. This is shortly after he'd sacked the drummer and replaced him with a, literally with a drum machine. Doctor, what's the drum machine called? Doctor something, isn't it? Doctor Avalanche. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, oh that's god, a, I, that part of my brain's working too. Shit, I must be forgetting him. Probably forgetting important stuff. There's something. So, there's somewhere. There's a. There's a lobe that has just sort of like collapsed to nothing. By the end. By the end of the pod, I'll have forgotten how to go to the toilet. <laughs> Look, Matthew. Whatever it takes. As long as you remember Tam Brownlow's name and other Archer's trivia, it's all good. Yeah, thanks for pulling me back. So yeah, so Tam Brownlow, that kind of shattered her confidence. Plus, she'd already worked out these robotic things that she was going to say about herself in the interview, and the interview didn't go the way she wanted it, did she? And the questions yeah. became a little abstract. And I think with the, it went okay with Gemma at the start, but with the Chicken Factory, but it was because the Chicken Factory for her was last chance saloon, wasn't it? And she got yeah. too keen and started pointing out all these health and safety things. I think she was all right with Gemma. And still she, until she started saying, there's a puddle on the floor there, and Gemma got a bit angsty about it. Mm. I mean, it, it kind of made sense that they didn't need to give us much more than that in terms of like you know their failing relationship. That's why I really liked her interview with Kenton at the ball. Obviously, like you'd have to be, you'd have to be one of these freaks who likes um, Helen and Shula to not appreciate that scene. But like, uh, there were, you know, even though she's been a. a uh, you know, worked behind a, worked in a bar before. She still had that nervousness. She was still incredibly, um, kind of you know, hesitant uh, and sort of you know. It was just anyway. It was just found it in, in amongst all of the excitement of Tracy having some good luck. I still found it a bit kind of depressing to hear her confidence so low. Yeah, but she's gonna. I mean, the bull was featured quite heavily this week, wasn't it? Mm. I was quite happy about that. You had Jazza and Alistair playing darts while he's trying to shoehorn. The party. Well, he was no, he was offered Brad and Chelsea to have a spot at Alistair's 60th, but he's pushing his luck a bit with that. Then we had um, Dave, <laughs> Dave. Sorry, but that's the Kenton effect, isn't it? Dave, David Dave. and Kenton having multiple conversations at the bull, and then traces for a shift. What did you think of David pushing his luck, getting multiple free pints? Because he didn't want to pay in the first scene, did he? When he no. was just discussing Shula's present. So I think it's safe to say that, uh, you know, you and I can be modest about a lot of things, but our knowledge of bars and pubs is extraordinarily deep. Um, I have spent, you know, I've been a local to many bars, many pubs, and Dave and his behaviour in a, a bar tonight was exactly, was everything I hate about um, locals, Yeah, um, a certain type of local. People who think that somehow going to a pub for, or a bar for a long time buys them a right to be obnoxious in a way that you know a stranger off the street couldn't be oh let's let's have it straight i mean i worked in a pub in bristol which used to be ran by well which at that time was run by someone that used to run another place in bristol that all the bristol scenesters went in the late 80s early 90s and then they flocked over to the new place you know i got a job in there all right i recognize the faces of Bristol musicians and stuff like this. But what they expected was really quite surprising. You know, they'd come in, it was almost like something out of the mafia. They'd extend their hand and go, Hey, I'm so and so, I'm an old face. And then, you know, 
no money would start changing hands. And you don't really run tabs that much in small pubs in Bristol. You pay pint per pint. And there was all these, always these little debates at the end of the evening about whether they were going to pay up. Not when the land, um, the proprietor was there, but if you were working the shift and, and they weren't, you know, you used to get into that situation a fair bit. So mm. David, yeah. And there was that bit where Tracy, she was pouring a pint, wasn't she, when David walked in. She said, is the head supposed to be that big? I was waiting for Kenton to go, no, David's head's always like that, Tracy. No <laughs> Yeah, alright, and and then also the the scene where he was sort of drunk and being obnoxious at the end. I mean, it was quite fun. I did quite, I did quite enjoy um, the silly and silliness of it all. And after what has been quite a bruising couple of weeks, you know, in all, in all regards, it was much needed light relief, even if it was delivered by Kenton and David. I agree with that. Obviously, all to sort of like give context and and to give it you know help us to enjoy tracy's new job and you know and so she could go home and and tell her little girl how excited she was and also sort of educate chelsea about how you know i thought it was well scripted and well acted sort of how you know as a parent just the the, the desperate need you have to look after your kid and how much of a failure you, you would feel not to be able to do that you know it was really moving not feeling like you could tell them as well what had happened at the factory with their other job. That's something I struggle with with my run of bad luck is having to kind of paste on a smile for my little boy because he he does you know you don't want to pollute his life with your with your unhappiness you know. So having to kind of like so yeah I really empathise with Tracy and it was so I was very moved by that. Um, so good job that um, Chase Chelsea ruined it all by being up to duff with uh, and who are we saying the dad is. Well, I put a poll out on Twitter. So, yeah, we've got a Chelsea bun in the oven. Let's see. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that, that, I, I hadn't thought of that yet. So, no, I had to hear of it. <laughs> of course, Chelsea bun. Yeah. Uh, well, I currently uh, standing on oh, our... currently, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, there you go. Bun puns. Yeah. They're pretty niche, aren't they? So, at the moment, George is at 18%, Freddie at no. 15%, and... Where do you think Russ is at? 68%. Shame on you. I reckon it's George. That will be terrible. That will be absolutely terrible. Um, but do who do you... I mean, I don't want it to be Russ because I don't want all the people who hate Russ to be right. And by the way, this is Russ 2.0, 3.0 we're talking about, not original, um, you know, uh, treat his wife badly, Russ, the new, the new Russ that we like. But um, yeah, so I don't want it to be Russ because I don't want everyone to be right. But also, I think it would be fantastic entertainment if it was Russ. Yeah, no, brilliantly. I'm kind of torn on that one. And then you're the first person I've heard say George and immediately I'm like, yeah, that's it. Well, there was that thing last week. I think Kerry picked up on it and you agreed and I, I'd missed it where you said, did you think there was a little, even though they were rude to each other, there was something slightly flirtatious about the scene where she was cutting the guinea pig's hair. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guinea pig, so see, I don't remember everything. Lulu. Lulu? The Mercy is still clinging on. (laughs) (laughs) There's that Black Mirror episode where um, the hamster witnesses the crime, the murder. So maybe Lulu has seen something because the scene ended with her cutting the guinea pig's hair. Maybe they then, maybe they got it on afterwards and Lulu saw everything. Strangest foreplay ever. <laughs> guinea pig haircut. I see the thing is, right? So, you know, it 
it's just it's just sex. I'm not, you know, there's no there's no value judgment attached to this, right? But Chelsea Chelsea being a kind of like outspoken uh woman who you know famously has sort of like tried to dress in a quite kind of provocative fashion when going to work and is quite kind of like you know flirtatious that of course has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that she would be promiscuous or not i don't think she would have just had some tawdry one night stand with george well russ has been helping her a lot hasn't he yeah that's what if that's why i'm thinking maybe not george and maybe russ oof yeah i mean he's 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 leading the the poll on uh on the Facebook page as well, Freddie and George are neck and neck. No way it's Freddie. Absolutely no. No way it's Freddie. There's a limit to how left of centre it can be, right? It's got to be someone that we she's interacted with. So it has to be Russ. It yeah. has to be George. Who else is there? Um, Oliver. She, well, this is actually, we did mention last week that, that Chelsea has interacted with nearly everybody in the cast since yeah. coming in. There's only a handful of people she hasn't interacted in, but I would say in the same breath, that it's very unlikely that she's got knocked up by most of them at the same time. Yeah. But, I mean, has she not had a bit of a flirty back and forth with Josh a few times? Mm, she she had a chat with him at the rave, didn't she? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember much more than that, but I'm sure sure she has. I think you're right, it's the rave. The rave is the... Because it was... The, it, they made... They, you know, in an already crowded episode, they made time to call out the fact that she was, you know, really gone. Oh, how long ago was the rave, do you reckon? Probably eight weeks ago? Yeah. Nine weeks? And do you remember Chelsea saying to Russ in the orangery, so you don't remember any, much about the rave then? No, so maybe she, she might even might not even remember, which would make it even worse. Oh, is it, it's a rave, baby. Well, she needs to she needs to crack on and get an abortion if that's what she wants, because of course Jacob Rees-Mogg will have it illegal soon anyway. So um... yeah, I mean, <laughs> we say Fred, George and Freddie are neck and neck. Um, thanks to Trina, Immaculate Conception has the same number of votes as George and Freddie right now. I'd rather have sex with a uh, God than <laughs> George or Freddie. So, <laughs> well, we'll right. clip that for the Christmas tape. Well, I mean, it's controversial stuff, isn't it? Um, you know, I'm always here with the, you know, always here with the controversial takes. Uh, yeah. So, I th- okay. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that I think the, as far as I'm concerned, it's, George, it's definitely George or Russ and uh, both of which are appalling, appalling um, people to consider. Hey everyone, Peter here. So Matthew and I were talking after the show and he was adamant and gave the evidence as well that Josh, Josh is the dad. So I just wanted to say that. Get it in there, on the record. Matthew says Josh is the dad, and I believe him. So let's see what happens next week. Um, Just to go back just slightly to this family, it was a lot of people got very upset about the food bank scene. And then we had that scene at the end where Oliver and her were driving back through the country lanes in the car. And that was was some light relief, wasn't it? I think even, you know, people Mm. had... Tears of sympathy and empathy, but they had tears of joy at the end when they were driving back through the car. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I'm quite a lacrimose person. I'll, you know, cry at the, pretty much anything makes me cry. But um, no, I was just, there was no complexity to my feelings. I was just utterly elated, um, you know, not in in a complex or kind of sort of nuanced way. It was just, yes, this is brilliant. Tracy's not miserable. 
Oliver and her are back to back together as friends. Um, I, I really appreciated the fact that Oliver didn't try and make all her problems go away and gave her, you know, the more valuable gift of his sort of advice and his care than mm. just throwing money at the problem, which, he, you know, he acknowledged that she wouldn't even also, take Also, that away. piece of music is never wasted, is it? The flower duet from Black May in, like, every movie. Oh, uh, yeah, that was that was um, glorious. And as as Tracy said, you know, that airline, that airline's advert. Um, I mean, I remember as a kid when those adverts came on, I was I was like, yeah, this is an absolute banger. This, you know, like, you know, it, was it British Airways? Yeah, it was. That. Yeah, the big um, and if you see it now, it's you see it now, the production values, are, you know, you see you see better TikToks done by kind of like celebrating <laughs> glasses. But, uh, you know, like back in the day, it was kind of like, oh, my God, they've made a blinking eye on a beach. It's incredible. Oh, God, my God, there's some lips now. It's some lips and they're walking around, you know. So. I'm going to have to look those up on YouTube. I thought Oliver was going to say, oh, I remember it more for the vampire lesbian sex scene between Susan Sarandon and Catherine Deneuve in The Hunger. But there you go. Somehow that is, you know, managed to get by me. you never seen The Hunger? No, no. Oh, David Bowie, Susan Sarandon. Catherine Deneuve opens with Bauhaus performing Bella Lugosi's Dead on stage in a nightclub. No, this is this is. I mean, this is this is a, obviously a, a, a massive blind spot. Its finest use, though, is it plays in the background of the interrogation scene between uh, Christopher Walken as the mobster and Dennis Hopper as um, Christian Slater's dad in True Romance, oh, which is an yeah. amazing scene. And as it gets as it as that situation worsens, it builds and builds. Incredible. Yeah, it's not an easy watch that, but uh, yeah, that's absolutely cracking. I haven't, I've only seen that movie once. It's like The Big Lebowski. I need to go back and see it a second time. I'm pretty mm. sure it stands up. Yeah, I went to see The Big Lebowski when it came out in the cinema and a friend of mine got a, he had a kind of a job that if his phone rang, he had to answer. So he walked out of The Big Lebowski, he came back about seven minutes later and he went, what did I miss? And I think I said to him, you're going to have to come back and watch the whole movie again, I'm afraid. There was a whole load of viewings in the West End. Um, this is in the whenever it was when it came out. And um, basically they were designed for people who didn't want to have to get the night bus home. So, yeah, you just watch, you know, a couple of terrible movies or even good ones in the middle of the night. That is a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I, th- that's the only reason I can imagine they put those showings on right in the middle of the night. Um, and that's, oh, that's when I watched the big Yeah, Something nice and calm as well, you know, to bring everyone down. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I still remember. I mean, even I mean, I was it's, it's remembered through a a fog of uh, what would have been Cronenberg and Stella from those days. But yeah, so uh, um, God, you know, it must be a cracking movie to you know. I thought you were being very pretentious then, and when you said Cronenberg, you meant David Cronenberg. He's another blind spot, Matthew. I don't, I haven't seen enough of his stuff. Um, I think, I think it was, uh, you know, um, in my twenties, I was out so much that I basically didn't watch TV or movies. So, you know, we were talking about, and the same thing with um, Peep Show, you know, we were talking about not seeing, never seeing Peep Show. I think it's, it just corresponds to a period of my life where I was just being so, so sociable that I just didn't watch any TV. No, I can relate to that. I, I mean, I've got blind spots from going to live in Australia and not really having kind of TV on demand in the early aughts. There are just sometimes people say, oh, there's this celebrity on TV. And like, I have no idea who that person is because they rise to prominence. You wait till you find out about Terry Wogan. He is amazing. Honestly, you can tell him. <laughs> Honestly, he's, he's a That's funny guy. Chap, you right? look him up. Yeah, Welsh one, yeah. Oh, you do know him, but yeah. Um, and by the way, 
it's a wig. That's going to shock you as well. Yeah. No. Yeah. So come on. How? Okay. There's got to be a segue. Um, syrup and fig wig. Terry Wogan. Irish. There you go. Rory. I was. My stomach was turned as Kerry's was in that clip we heard earlier, listening to Justin. You know, oil it up all over. The big question here, Peter, is: Are you going to be able to knock up a saxophone laden? Just in sexy time. <laughs> oh, don't make work for me. Of course I am. <laughs> just in sexy time. Oh, just in. Just in. Just in. Just in. I can't. I haven't. I can't get the rattle in his voice. Kerry does it by mistake sometimes, doesn't she? Um, Kerry does like half Dalek, half Justin sometimes. Yeah, right? Kerry. Kerry is Justin's soundy likey. Well, oh, you know, oh yes, so don't don't be embarrassed. There's some benefits, and I used to do similar things when I was a boy. I was nothing like him, but you know, spiritually, quite it's much better than mine. Mine falls somewhere between Oliver and and dare I say it, Jim. But so yeah, Rory's getting sourced at midday on whiskey sours, trying to blot out. Yes, trying to forget what he's doing for a living right now, yeah. and. We, you said a couple of months ago when he went out for that night in Birmingham with Julianne at the last minute, it would be yeah. great if Vince walked up, gave him a little noogie on the head and said, all right, young slapper, me lad. Yeah. Um, that didn't quite happen. It's almost better with Justin, though, because... It was fantastic. I can't quite remember. I mean, first of all, let's get this off our chest. Justin saw exactly what was happening straight away. Yes. The lie is gone, first of all. He, 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 fair play to Justin for him, regardless of what, however he was able to come to that, it seems from personal experience. But I can't quite remember, what is Brian's role in BL these days? He stood down as what? The chair of BL, but he remains running Barrow. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, but he's not completely out, is he? He stood down from running Barrow. He's no longer chair of the board, but he's on the board. Uh, right, yeah, because Justin thought he was going to get the job. And then Martin Gibson just said, I'll take it. And much like many people these days, takes the top job and then proceeds to do absolutely f*** all. Mm, I can't imagine who you're talking about. Yeah. He's had Boris Johnson. He hasn't been doing fuck all. He's been out for a jolly with the police. He's fucked off to the Ukraine. He's um, been holed up in um, Slovenia, Greece, um, Czechos. Um, and he's also, which I have peculiarly enjoyed, been sh- trying to shaft Liz Trust the last week, which has been. Oh, has he been trying to shaft her? I hadn't noticed. He's done a couple of things recently, and I, you know, I mean, you've got to, you've got to keep your hatred up to date and current. I am slowly, sort of winding. It's like it's like a nu- nuclear uh, nuclear reactor. You can't just flip a switch and turn it off. The amount of all uh, Steve Redgrave's training he had to train for years afterwards to let his body calm down. And it's the same thing with hating Boris Johnson. It's so, you know, you can't, you, it has to go somewhere. So I'm just slowly siphoning the loathing over to Liz Truss. And so actually, you know, Boris has been helping with that. Not Boris, don't never call him that. Johnson has been helping with that the last week with some of his shitbaggery. Yeah, but I mean, it was sound advice to buy a new kettle, though, wasn't it? For 30 euros or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to say, yeah. therefore, save you could save ten, ten, sorry, ten pounds a year off your seven and a half grand electricity bill. 
Yeah, Fireman Johnson throws another egg cup of water onto um yeah the yeah. So when you get the third of the way through a decade, you've you've paid for your cattle. So right. I mean, it's, 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 it is sound advice. It's just not very useful advice. I mean, I I just one thing I liked this week was Curtis Stigers. You're familiar with the work of Curtis Stigers? You could blow me blow me over the feather. I I can't can't remember when it was like a few months ago. When I never would have had Curtis Stigers pegged as a kind of like left wing kind of firebrand. Well, the only thing I knew about Curtis Stigers in particular on social media was two of my friends about seven or eight years ago used to tweet him regularly, and he tweeted back, and they just got into this whole thing that Curtis Stigers was their mate. He used to just go on about that on Twitter. But yeah, he is he is quite a leftist, as is Richard Marx, isn't he? We should form like a supergroup of leftists, kind of late 80s, early 90s, uh, soft rock musicians. But he, he put out a tweet saying that he just realised that the next Prime Minister of England was going to be the, the cheese woman. And now he felt really worried for everyone he knew in the UK. I've got some American friends who are sort of similarly interested in British politics. And, you know, every now and again, I'll give them a new one, like, you know, uh, I don't know, like Marc Francois. And they'll just be sort of like, oh, my God, yeah, it's as bad for you as it is for us. They'll be just, <laughs> they're sort of heartened and also disappointed for us at the same time. Yeah, most of that comes from my friend in Australia who sends me clips of politicians being interviewed occasionally on less less than famous radio stations and asking me, Sorry, is this a sketch or is this guy real? And you know, yeah, I always have to confirm that it's real. Australia, Australia, you know, punches punches its weight for for dickhead politicians. Oh, it does, and I think as a younger nation, when I lived there, for sure, there seemed to be a a, a fair bit of corruption because people were like, "Well, we're only you know, we've only been going two hundred years. <laughs> Just you know, it's fair enough. I got caught, gave it a go." Justin is a kind of uh, a beautiful proxy for, um, you know, all of that side of society in the arches. And as you said, you know, he might be a monstrous shitbag, but he did, you know, he, he, he spotted a kindred spirit. I mean, and I, it does make sense that, uh, 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 you know, Justin could be a glimpse into Rory's future. Well, that's the whole, the whole reason I asked that question about Brian, because, yeah, he's he's kind of, you know, He's giving them a friendly little punch on the arm right now. But what if something in the future happens where Julianne Wright, as we learned her surname this week, gets involved with BL or something to do with it and Justin is able to throw back in Brian's face in front of Martin Gibson that Raw is pretty much on the game. Well, Brian, your gerontophile son is giving a portion to an old lady who I, um, you know, been doing business with, or something. Oh, it's yeah, it's going to be so awkward, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> they they have been doing a. Uh, I can't remember whether it was you or Kerry uh, pointed out that like there was a kind of glut, a sort of a, a you know a. A, a, a kind of mudslide of plot that had been kind of held up by the by the you know the the monologues and the coronavirus and it's all kind of spilling washing through now isn't it it's very very dense there's a lot happening and they're also building you can feel them building to a whole load of different stuff so as i've said before i'm not sure it's to my taste but there is a kind of like you know it's i don't think the arches has ever been busier yeah it's a bit like um 
the scene in Poltergeist where the Poltergeist finally decides, right, I've had enough. I'm going to I'm going to go both barrels, and things start flying around the house. That's how I feel when I listen to the Archers. We get like we get one week a month that's a let up. I feel mm. where we breathe, and then it just goes back into this. Has was it Kerry referred to it as a cauldron of insanity or something similar? <laughs> Kerry would say, yeah. It is very, very. I mean, just like you know, you look at any look at a new character. Ardell alone is involved in three or four different plot lines. Tracy, three or four. Chelsea's about as you said earlier. Like you know, God knows how many different pies she's got her fingers in. I did try to draw a diagram, and something was bugging me recently because I couldn't remember her very first storyline in the show, and it was the driving lesson when she hit Blake. Finally, came to me. That oh, was the oh, missing yeah. piece of the jigsaw. What is it? Is it anyone who hasn't hit someone else with a car? Mm, don't know. Only speaking of that, there was only one vote for Matt Crawford to come. Oh, hang on, hang on. Let me check my notes. No, two votes for Matt Crawford to come back in the transfer anything, deadline day. Anything for to to hear the sound, to hear a foley artist twatting a steak with a you know a milk bottle to to get the Matt's punch on Justin's face just right. Uh, oh, just yeah, to, to hear. Justin being knocked down by Matt Crawford would be wonderful. Although um, you never really got the impression that Matt was much of a fighter. No, he probably knows someone from Bermondsey will step in and do it for him, it's though, doesn't he? For him. Exactly. Yeah. He's more of a he's more of a, he commissions violence rather than um engaging in it, I would imagine. Yeah, uh, he's no dirty den. So Matthew, let's have a, a quick advert and then maybe we've got time for one more dollop of poop before we um, wind up. What do you reckon? Let's do it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So I'm looking down our list of options. Um, have we discussed Shula f***ing off enough? I think we've discussed yeah. it enough. The only thing I'm lost on there was at the last minute, as David was being drunkenly led out of the bull. I liked the bit where Kenton said, hang on, I'm going to let Tracy out. Like, she's a whippet. And you open the door and she bolts home she, all the way she, home. She, she came out. She was pretty full of beans at, you know, for 11.30, 11.45 at night or whatever it was. Yeah, she wasn't at 11.51 when she got home and had a chat with Chelsea. No, but excited. So David's saying just tell them it took a long time to get the pants and then all right i'm not going to go to the whole jill pants thing but because it is what it is soiled pants the puns write themselves but then kenton goes i've i've just had a great idea so i think they're going to mummify shula in pants and bury her to test the soil and then dig her up again in about eight weeks that's a there's a there's a two thumbs up and a vote from me for that absolutely fine (laughs) Because Kenton seems almost it's some kind of weird twin thing. He doesn't seem to want to let her go. And I, I get that they're pushing that idea of separation anxiety from your twin. But as David pointed out, or no, I think Kenton 
was able to recognize himself. He's the one that normally buggers off around the other side of the globe. And she's always stayed put. So, yeah, Shula's off. Um, and she said that if she, she, she told Josh, if she gels with her, with her clients or her colleagues, she'll stay longer. So hopefully she's going to coat herself in super glue and just like stick herself to all of them and never come back. Yeah, Sorry, she'll, have a, she'll, have, she'll have her belly out with a um, NUFC tattoo on it at St. James's Park um, <laughs> before too long. Oh, David said he came straight from an NFU meeting and that was why he needed to get leather, didn't he? That was his reasoning. Um, it did seem a bit uncharacteristic for him to get that drunk and he did acknowledge that he was going to be in the doghouse with Ruth. Well, it's National Farmers Union, isn't it? NFU. He does always moan about it. I mean, but I mean, I do like a bit of um, I do like a bit of the um, agricultural geekery. But um, when it comes to David and Ruth and their fucking no, you know, no till teat sucking machinery, whatever it's what, what am I supposed <laughs> to say? What's the what's it? Is it the you know? Anyway, I, the, all of their discussion. I'm so bored of their farm. Yeah, I, in my head, an NFU meeting for David is he walks in, his family just say now off and he has to turn tail and go straight down the book i haven't heard him on air much recently as in fact none of us have really apart from the oh i don't mind him as long i mean josh was the only just the whole reason josh had to help shula was because or didn't have to made a reason to help shula was because david was stressing around so i don't like david when he's stressed i've i much prefer him like you said taking the piss and uh having seven or eight pints of shires on the house was quite fun yeah, I, I enjoyed that a bit more. So, yeah, let's have less stress, David, more pissed, Drunk. David. I'm up yeah. for that. Quite happy to hear David slide sort of um, almost to the, you know, to the to the margins of alcoholism for our entertainment. Yeah. And if you want to slide into any of our DMs, what's our show socials? Look, I, I, OK. For, um, uh, sorry, Matthew, round of applause. That was exceptional. I did say socials, which made it sound like I was David, even though I'm as sober as a judge. No, but also there's always a, there's always a bit of Highlander um, going on. Similar, yeah. Just the surface. Also, and Big I- of Kerry, talking of socials, uh, we're on Twitter at the Cider Shed Pod. Big of Kerry this week to come out as a big fan of Highlander as when she was in charge of the account. It would have hurt her. It would have hurt her. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is she knows... She knows that she's on the side of wrong to go against Highlander. You know, it's it is a beautiful movie, but more importantly, Matthew, a beautiful community that surrounds it. And uh, yeah. yeah, well, she she finally put that right when she retweeted someone from I think Liverpool Echo saying, "What's a movie you've seen three times and would watch again?" And she took charge of Twitter and said Highlander, and uh, signed Kerry Warbis. And that definitely was not me when I was in charge of the Twitter account that evening. Thank you, Kerry. Appreciate it. Yeah, we love you, Kerry. So um, we've got the Twitter. We've got, um, you know, if people want to, they can leave a a review. Um, Go to preferably to iTunes, five-star review if if that's what you want to say. And then even better, if you can attach a little note saying, uh, giving some sort of, you know, fair commentary on the podcast. And then Matthew, Facebook and Instagram, where do people go? Okay, well, Facebook is a group called the Cider Shed Podcast. Thank you for everyone who was sympathetic to my dream that I had on Tuesday, Monday or night, Monday night going into Tuesday. It's not the first time I've done this. I dreamt an episode of The Archers, Peter, 
and what? was even yeah, and I was already trying to write puns. Well, you were related. accused of getting Chelsea pregnant on Twitter today. So no, um, who said that? Yeah. Owen did. So um, you know, maybe you've done a um, Freddy Krueger and sort of like dreamwalked, <laughs> dreamwalked into Ambridge, and you know, impregnated. There's a baby weir on the way. I'm sure there's a Nightmare on Elm Street gag there, but it's not coming right now. Now, well, my dream was could almost be related. I had a dream that George was doing a sideline writing um, erotica or like DMing erotica to older women online and for like PayPal cash and Tracy discovered somehow. Well, I don't know why I dreamt that. I, well, my idea is that it was a mashup of George being a naughty boy and the Rory storyline. I've got a radical concept. Maybe you spend way too much time involved in the archers. <laughs> <It's not helpful. laughs> it, could, it could be that as well. Um, so if, if you want to spend way too much time, you can get in touch. Yeah. Our, our Facebook, as I just said, the Cider Shed podcast, it's a group. You can get in touch on our Instagram, which is at the Cider Shed pod. Um, and Peter, we've got an email, right? We do have an email. It's hello at the Um If you have anything you want to say to us directly, send us an email. And any comments, much appreciated. Um, always love to hear from people. Uh, uh, lastly, um, before we do, uh, before we say goodbye, uh, we have Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash the cider shed. Uh, um, obviously, it's not obligatory, but any help is much appreciated. Um, and, and we and a huge thank you to all the people who have um, donated. It's, it's, it really is very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, just uh, before we sign off, one more from me. Our fantasy football league, Julia Julie oh, Fremantle, I was still to leads. Get past that. You, I know you were, Peter. That's why I'm saying it. Um, in anyone can join, by the way, as long as you registered a team before the league started. So we have people joining, um, but it's just that you you can't if you didn't set up a team before the the entire thing began. So Julie Fremantle still leads. In the Ambridge Farmers Conference, she's at number one. Um, I'm just going to say where we are for now. Kerry's in number six. I'm at number eight, and I just, just scroll. Hang on, scroll. An ad just popped up. I have to close cookies. Close cookies. Relegate the archers um, with Peter Fickling is at number twenty-one now because two more people have joined the league. There is an elegance. Yeah. There is an elegance to calling yourself relegate the archers and then spot welding yourself to bottom particularly position. in a league that you cannot be relegated in as well like the old mls so you're yeah. safe um just as a further note i did ask as it was transfer deadline day yesterday who would you transfer in and in to the archers from previous characters and who would you transfer out so we've got a top three in first place now let's do the outs first so third place out would be will second place out would be pip but in first was Justin. And then coming in, Rob, surprisingly. Get in. Came in third. Barb, you know who you are. You went on both Facebook and Twitter to vote for him. Nigel in second. I thought he was going to be the oh, winner, but... F- off. <laughs> but Nelson came in first. Oh, I was sort of, yeah, I'm not a fan so of we- Nigel. Never was. I was very happy when he came off the roof. So Will, Pip, Justin out, Rob, Nigel, Nelson in. And uh, the clock has gone. It's 11 o'clock and that's the end of transfer transfer deadline day. Matthew, 
we should head off, say thank you to everyone, and then have a very long chat about um, Erling Haaland and what an absolute beast he is. See everyone. Bye. Have fun. Hello.